This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, this week's episode is a chat with legendary queer core riot girl punk band Team Dresh. Team Dresh, super active in the 90s, and all members were queer, and it was huge. It was huge. I couldn't believe I got a chance to talk to those folks. They're touring now, and I also wanted to just say um, regarding the sound quality, Jordan, my amazing engineer, did a ton of work on this episode. We had people calling in from a bunch of different locations. I hope that it is listenable. I hope that it is, it sounded listenable to my ears. I gave it a test run. But um, please, at the very least, have patience with us. I just felt like this was a chat that you shouldn't miss. So um, I hope it is up to your standards. Enjoy. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still Welcome to the show. I always have I always have my guests introduce themselves. Would you all introduce yourselves? Very well timed <laughs> cough. Bring it. Bring it. Still getting over a little bit of a cold. Oh We're gosh. Right I now. hear you. Uh, well, thank you for pushing through that cold. Um, yeah, but w- will you all introduce yourselves? I'm Marceo Martinez. Hi. I'm a drummer. My name is Donna Dresch. I am an American punk rock musician. <laughs> That's what it says on Wikipedia. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I play bass and guitar in Team Dresh. Awesome. And who else do we have? Kaya Wilson. I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> awesome. My moon is in Cancer. I have a Pisces rising. Great. I don't know what any of that means. Oh, I'm a lesbian, but like, I don't know anything about astrology. And that's, you know, and oh, that's really? tough. Yeah. Yes. Kaya's um, your person then. Uh, uh, I play guitar. I sing. Great. In Team Dresh. I play ping pong. I'll start over. That's all. <laughs> and who else do we have? I'm, I'm going to have to wrangle you all, aren't I? I'm Marceo Martinez. I'm the drummer in tra- Team Dresh. Great. And I'm a Gemini. Great. <laughs> awesome. I'm Jody Bliley. I'm a loving husband. Aww. Parent of two. I am. I sing and play bass and guitar in Team Dresh. I also play with my friend Nick in a band called Jody and Nick. And I am part of a group that is writing a rock opera exploring the hybridization of AI and humans called On Gabadon. And I'm, I try to be an activist. That's a great intro. Putting our bios to shame. And then? (laughs) And I'm Melissa York, and I'm um, another drummer in Team Dresh. And uh, I'm living in Durham, North Carolina, which makes it really hard. But everybody has been so accommodating, and I love them all. You're in Durham, and where is every where is everybody else? Portland, Portland, Oregon. Um, Portland, Oregon, Durham. Are you? And you are about to? Can we say this? We can say this, right? We can say it yeah. all. Yeah, so. you are about to tour. Yes, oh, yes. yes. We're allowed to say East Coast now. Yeah, yeah. We're touring the West Coast and the East Coast. You're about to tour, and let's give some history. When was Team Dresh founded? Talk me through the 
time y'all first linked oh, up. Geez. Yeah, you did. Really? Yeah. 1993. Yeah. Two. Where? Two. 1992. Two. Where are we geographically? Jesus. We can't even get this right. Nine- oh, we're in uh, Portland. Oh, Eugene. I was in Eugene. I was in Olympia. I was in Portland. And so who are the who are the founding members? Donna, Jody, and Kaya. <laughs> and yeah. y'all met how? Ooh, God. Okay, this is a good story. I um when I was uh sixteen, I was um in uh, I, I grew up in rural Oregon and outside of Springfield, Oregon. And um I had a uh the good fortune of having a, a, a gay friend who had um a way better um grasp on how to figure out like gay and punk stuff than I did. And he found a zine called Homocore and he shared it with me. And in this zine, um, there was an ad for Donna's zine, which is Chainsaw. And um, I'm trying to make this story make sense. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I saw Donna's ad and it said like, are you a misfit, dork, dyke, whatever? What else does it say? Punk. I don't know what it said. I'm like, I kind of, I mean, I like the Grateful Dead and stuff, but <laughs> that's more or less me. I'm definitely a, a misfit and a queer. So I wrote her uh, a letter because her address is on that. And I was, so I'm 16. I'm writing Donna a letter. Were you in D.C. or San Francisco? San Francisco by then. Donna was in San Francisco and uh, how many, how, some years older than me. So I was a little tiny kid i wrote you like five or six pages of like i'm sad in high school i'm gay i love my christian girl girl my friend who's not gay (laughs) i wrote you you like that times a million and then you wrote me back like five words that were just basically like oh what's it like in springfield if i was or you said um uh it's so great to be gay if i wasn't born this way way i would definitely choose to be and you wrote like five O's in the choose. Emphasis. Choose. Good emphasis to be. And I remember reading that and just being like, oh, you choose to be gay if you could choose it, which is like such a revolutionary idea. This is 1988, 89, 89. That sounds right. Um, and uh, anyway, this is how I met Donna. Oh my God, that is a long story. You can I love worth it. it. I think it's a good story. That's how I met Donna because she wrote me back. It's when I was sixteen, and then like totally, she, you're the first. You're the first you're Les the that I actually had like direct contact with. I mean, I saw Leses around Eugene, but I was like, whoa, you know. So like, I don't even understand. And, and I was trying to uh, get that mail order out, so I was just like, oh, everything's great. Don't worry. Bye. Oh, I know. Yeah, you were like busy. <laughs> You're busy doing mail order, and I'm like, oh my god, everything's so intense. I'm in high school and gay. It's rural Oregon. Oh, and and Kaya, you know, you received those letters too. What's that? Later, I would receive letters. Yeah. Yes. Later. It's just so sweet. That's you know, how I met Donna. So I'm like, I have a visual on this actual ad that you're talking about. A z- you met no, through letter correspondence on a zine. Ad. This, by the way, is an is a is an expression of the '90s. Like the only, yeah. you know, what a perfect expression of the '90s. 80s. Oh, actually, this is a, this. It was '90s. So oh, it was. I, it I was '90s. You're wrong. Nineteen ninety. Okay. Wait, am I showing the right? Yeah. It's like yeah, whatever. Well, it's okay. Oh, well, I don't. It's 
it's not even going to play on the podcast because it's only audio. <laughs> so, you don't need to show Ooh. it for the whole time. It looks time. fantastic. Yeah, it looks great on the podcast. You're really missing something. <laughs> um, so, Donna, can I ask you a question about yes. about about placing that ad uh, where you're looking to you know gather your 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 team and and uh, make a band? What was happening in your life at the time? Where well, what, actually, what I were you was, up to? Um, I had moved to San Francisco. Well, actually, I was before that. I was uh, corresponding with the people that were putting together Homocore Homocore fanzine, and um, and and I would trade zines with them. And I bought a little ad in there for my record label, or it was actually for my fanzine. It was an ad for my fanzine, and it was just like, buy my fanzine. Let's meet. And I'm looking at it right now. It's it was just a, it was just an ad for my zine. Got it. But, Getting my zine was putting out my zine was just my way to meet people. Got it. That's all. And then it turned into a record label later. And well, what else? That. So you were doing that. What else were you doing in your in the rest of your life? At that time, zine? I was playing in other bands, and and I had my zine, and then I was eventually started a record label, and I met these guys. What bands Here were we, you playing in? Uh, at that time. I was in between bands in San Francisco. Or I even mean, like, how are you making money? Like, and where, where did you live? And, like, what kinds of things were happening in your life? I was living in punk warehouses in San Francisco. I was living in punk houses in Olympia. I, um, what was that coffee shop that you were? The Smithfield. I worked at the Smithfield. But in San Francisco, you worked in the one on, on, uh, Petrillo Hill. Just for you, which is a classic queer hangout i guess back in the late 80s early 90s so i know you're not going to believe this but there might be some people that are super young listening to this podcast <laughs> and they don't even know what you mean when you say punk house can you describe that a little bit a punk house is where basically you and a bunch of your friends like live together and you create this little community inside of a house and they usually give yourself your house a name that's the name of your town <laughs> and everybody's a member of your team and the house has a smell. Do they all have chore wheels? Yes. Yep. Chore wheels. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And also, I mean, my association with it, and like maybe I'm wrong about this, is if you're in some bands at the time, maybe you're even playing punk houses. Like maybe the bands are like playing there. Or where would your, the bands you were in, where were you playing? In punk houses, you would practice in the basement or... We've definitely played punk shows. We yes. played basement. Tons of we've yeah. played tons of punk houses. Some <laughs> some punk houses have shows and some don't. Sure. Well, I'm more <laughs> so just trying to create like a like an overall feel and a record of the time, the, the way, the way, the expression of queerness at the time. And actually so far on this podcast, we haven't really talked about this type of queerness at this time. Like when we talk about, I don't know, I've had like a lot of people on talking about for instance, like New York in the 80s and 90s and people like like a gallery scene or like people that were all in like a visual art. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm thinking that your guys' experience in Oregon would just be like a very different expression of queerness, um, like punk houses, bands, like it, it's literally like different haircuts. You know what I mean? I mean? That's the interesting thing about queer culture is that we have these like different moments where um, there's a whole community that's happening there and yeah. and everybody's participating well, in it like the crossover between the punk scene and the queer scene right mm -hmm. was there, there was there was some sort of acceptance a little more within the punk scene and you can kind of i think for a lot of us like i think that's kind of where that 
crossed over, right? Wouldn't you say like playing the punk shows at these houses, various houses? Um, yeah. So I think that that was, I don't know if that was just a Northwest thing because it was also happening in DC and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But I think that in this particular situation, like we were all attracted to that kind of, we were musicians, we were attracted to that kind of music. And then that kind of sort of, oh, there's these weirdo people that accept the queers and <laughs> they're punk or whatever. And, or maybe I, I never really said I was a punk, punk rock person, but I was just ended up in that sort of community just, I think, because of that. You're not punk identified? Yeah, I don't know. I did not know that. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, yeah, I guess I am, I but not really. <laughs> I don't know. You know, at the time when, um, I played with Team Dresh. I was living in New York. And I think that the punk queer mold was small. You know, now I feel it's very varied. You know, there's a lot of differences. But, you know, we all had our, like, chain wallet. Oh, yeah. I still do. (laughs) Cut off jeans. Still do. What else? Chain wallet, cut cut off jeans. jeans. What else? Backwards baseball caps. Oh, I wore wore one here. Yeah, I wore one. Did you wear it backwards? I think that was a really interesting shift fashion-wise, actually. Mm -hmm. Everyone wore their baseball hats backwards. And I remember when Donna turned hers around and I was like, what (laughs) are you doing? (laughs) Well, some girlfriend told me, it looks really good when you do that. And then I never took it off. She told me it looked good. Yeah, I wear I wear a backwards baseball hat. Except that I live in Los Angeles, so I flip it around to for like sun protection. But if like like the fashion choice part of me is the backwards. But then really? I'll flip okay. it around when I go for a hike and stuff. See, Kaya, yeah. it's still alive. Yeah, yeah, backwards hat's still alive. Yes, still alive. And I would say shorts. Are, I don't. People are going to be surprised that in the people in this room. I really like talking about fashion. Shorts <laughs> in the '90s. Donna just did a spit take. But shorts in the '90s. Kaya used to wear shorts on stage all the time. I like didn't. Still do. So we know that you all met through zine letter writing ship, or at least some of you. Um, but how how did you become a band? A, little, a few years later, we all met through our other bands that we were playing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in a band called Hazel, and I met Donna in Olympia. We were playing there, and uh, someone in Hazel Brady worked with Donna at the Smithfield. So he introduced me to Donna and we just started talking that night, talking about wanting to be in a band with all dykes. And I met Kaya, Kaya was playing a show in Portland and I went to the show and I remember hearing Kaya sing and I, and I thought I could be, I could, I could sing with her. (laughs) I could be in a band with her. (laughs) And then we were talking after the show and it would happen pretty fast. Well, I was a fan of your drumming at the time. You were a drummer and a singer. That's true. I was. In Hazel. I was. I joined up. I joined up as a drummer. Mm-hmm. I, and I loved. I just. I, yeah. It was love. It. It was a lot of loves Thank at you, first Kyle. sights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was basically. I mean, it was meant to be. And then you and I met. I was in a band uh, called Calamity Jane back then, and we played shows with Hazel, or at least one or two, right? Quite a few. Because yeah. yeah. And so then you and I talked drums and got you know really excited about music and then talking about playing in a band with all dykes. And that was yeah, really exciting. I would chase Marseille around. Yeah. I got and, real scared. And, for, and, for, <laughs> and force him to like, how'd you do that one beat? No, but, but really like, no, no, we have to sit right here and figure it out right now. Show me with your hands. I'll buy you beer at seven 11. Yeah. Cause I was 21 already. And I was, was not like 17 or something. So that's, that's how I got paid. That was in beer. Fast yeah. That summer. I think it was pretty 90. quick. 
It happened that summer. It happened that summer. I would like to also, I don't mean to be a braggart, but I was in a band that had a really good band name, which was (laughs) Addicted, which was spelled A-D-I-C-K-D-I-D. I'm getting a look from Jody right now. That's obviously a great band name. Yes. um, And what about, (laughs) what about having two drummers? Talk to me about that and how that happened and how that works (laughs) for the band. How do we meet Melissa? Well, yeah. So, Fine. so, so when, I don't know, what was that about after personal bests? So after the re- first re- record came out that I recorded on, played drums on, we kind of had like some, you know, differences the band differences. I was kind of going off and doing some other things with other bands and just, it was kind of a mutual, like I was, I wanted to leave and it was kind of mutually agreed upon. And then that's kind of where I, exited and then about that point i think everybody had met we all had met melissa on tour and then i'll let somebody else take it from here on how Mm. you all approach melissa yeah maybe melissa what were you doing at the time so uh at the time i was living in new york and i was involved in riot girl nyc and abc no rio so when we were talking about punk houses it could be a basement of a house or it also could be an art house you know, um, warehouse in New York, you know what I mean? So there's like, you know, there are a lot of um, similarities there. What's ABC No Rio? ABC No Rio was um, this, it still exists in New York. It's um, a gallery that had a bunch of hardcore punk rock shows that I was all involved in in the late 80s. And then I was in a band called Vitapup in New York and we were involved in a lot of shows that were at the gas station, shows that were at ABC in Rio or Collective Unconscious. And then we were doing a lot of homocore shows. So that's, I think, Kaya, how you heard about Vitapup, right? Mm, I heard about Vitapup through Excuse 17. Well, can I just Sorry. ask you all a follow-up question on this? Because I think yeah. that you're getting at something that maybe. I didn't understand. And I'm, I'm wondering if this is true. So like, I'm a stand up comic by trade, right? That's what I, that's, that's where I come from. And one thing that you just don't realize, like when you started an open mic, it's like, I didn't realize eventually I'm going to meet literally everybody who does this job because it seems like there's a thousand million people who do it. But like over time, it's actually a pretty small community, you know? And so first you start in your city, but then you meet people that do it in every city. And then like, you know, eventually a lot of people move to New York and LA, but it's not like you've just known people for a long time because there's just a shared interest, a shared consciousness. You're kind of at the same places when you're traveling through, that's who you connect with. Is that true also of yeah. your experience with the – because it seems like you all mm-hmm. – when you're talking about knowing each other, it seems like there's like a bunch of different access points. And so I'm just assuming it's like, oh, you just know about each other. Like you know about each other's bands. It's a small enough group. You're going to run into each other exactly. over time. Is that right? Yes. You need a show booked in New York. It's like, oh, I know this person such and such. They have this band. Talk to them on the phone. Phone numbers. That's what I was just going to ask because that was my follow-up question Mm -hmm. is. (laughs) No internet. Because I started also doing stand-up like just (laughs) before the internet basically like was was available. Um, And yeah, I would like read listings and stuff like that. And I guess I would get phone numbers. Um, But how did – yeah, how did you all – how, what was the network well, like? It's just like you're passing along phone number to phone number or like, how are you 
getting in touch we with were each other. Early adopters of the internet. We were, but wow. you know, I think I have to relate this to the punk house thing though, because any punk house or just like group house, there's a chalkboard by the phone <laughs> and people would call, right? Yeah. And they, anyone answers the phone. So you could end up, you know, someone that I lived with could end up being friends with someone that was calling to talk to me to book a show because they ended up having an amazing conversation for 20 minutes or two hours while they just called this random house. I just, I love like remembering the, the landlines. The landline, the old days. They were good. They were very pen pal-like. Yeah. yeah. And mm. the houses, maybe also people are coming in and out. So it's like, I used to live over here and now I live in this city in this different house. There's, is there like that network going on too of Oh yeah, folks. definitely. Yeah. I don't remember how we actually met Vitapup though. Kaya, you said, did Excuse 17 play with Vitapup in New York or something? Yes. Excuse 17 played with you. That's, that's my memory is that Becca Albee gave me Thanks, your me. info, um, Melissa, that no, you- we did. Team Dresch played we with played with Fight yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that's how I met Mel. Yeah, exactly. Remember. So, what kinds of venues are you playing at this time? Like, where, where like, where you're meeting, you're like shitholes, <laughs> shitholes. But like, uh, what's the like capacity? Like, who's in there? Like, where you know, are the? Is it a basement? Is it like? Yes, all of these. Where did we? Squats. Where did, do you remember where we played when we played with you, Fight Pup? Mel, was um, it a you know, Mercury Lounge? Was it Mercury Brownies. Lounge? Brownies. Brownies. One of those somewhere, two. One of the, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Brownies. And then, like a, you know, we probably even might have even done Continental. Mm. We, but yeah, the shows were not huge. Where is the Mercury Lounge? Where is Mercury that? Lounge. Is it on Houston? Is it still around? We're talking about New York is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. That's Sorry. the city. New York. Yeah, yeah. NYC. Got it. Um. Okay. Oh, Meow Mix? Did we play Meow Mix? Yeah. Not, did play Meow we did. We did then? I know we played with I don't Versus. know if we did that tour. That's 94. We're talking about 1994. But yeah, the shows were not as big as they are now. For any <coughs> any of these, like any of the Riot Girl bands, the shows were small. I mean, different sizes, bigger in New York than in a smaller town, but some shows were really small, just like a house party. Well, I want to talk more about that because that's, I think that's really interesting. There is, we are in this moment of like a resurgence and um, I don't want to say nostalgia because that's not right. I think it's honestly like mm -hmm. people have a little bit of disposable income or like they're at a different place in their life where they could come see shows. Like people can like actually go to pay, like see a ticketed show um, and you can, and then there's a bunch of people that like maybe they weren't clued in enough to be able to come to know that they should come out to see you at the Mercury Lounge, but your records have existed for a certain amount of time now that it's like you captured the folks that listened to it right away. And then you've captured like all the folks that have listened to it since then, because like the Riot Girl movement was so um, like long-term, like it, it, it was a, not just resonant in that time. So like, mm -hmm. what is it, what, what do you expect from this next tour? Or like, what is your understanding of why, you know, why are you going back out right now? Or what do you expect to see from your audience? Well, we've actually been playing shows like here and there for ever since 2004. So what has mm -hmm. that experience been like from now, from 2004 to, to now? Like what it, has, it, have you noticed a change in your audience? Have you noticed 
more people, less people? Like, what is it like to? There are definitely more people than there were in the nineties. In the nineties. Oh yeah. Then and in the 90s. I mean, the shows the shows are great. They're just like big love fests. I it's mean, so much they're fun. So much fun, and they're definitely bigger than. They, I mean, but it's. I mean, they're not. It's not that they're more fun. They're just. It was always like a love fest, but it's still like that. I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And personal best came out what year? 1994. Yeah. And also, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who don't know the reference from the title of that record. Mm. Uh, from the film? Oh, you know, to <laughs> talk about that reference. But also, like, your art on the record and everything, too. Yeah, it's well, all very... I mean, it was funny. It was, like, the first... Uh, wait, somebody else talk because I've got the rattle. Donna's got a rattle. I don't know what you're gonna say. <laughs> no, the first reference that of lesbians, you know, that we ever saw on TV. Oh, oh no, the, the, finish, the, the movie. The first. Finish That's that. No, no, I yeah. want Jody to say it because I got the rattle. Okay, well, let the rattle go. <laughs> let it be. Let the rattle. Mel, go. was it for you? It's just the movie. Personal best was the first lesbian reference that a lot of us saw on TV when that film played on TV. It, and it was very scary. Remember? <laughs> Everybody remember that? I don't think I even actually saw it. Nobody remembers yeah, that. Yeah, well, we had you know, the big yeah. text thread, you know, mine is Times Square. Oh, yeah. Well, you had a good one. Mm. I'm sorry, I missed what you just said. What is Times Square? Times Square movie, Sleaze Sisters. Ah. But it wasn't, they never, did they ever, did they even make out? I mean. Because if they didn't make out, it's like, ah. It's not really. Know, but it's like, it's like obviously the tension is there. I'm gonna rein you <laughs> oh, all in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna redirect you back for a second because I want to talk about this the, what this title means because I just I'm sure there are lots of people listening who have like never one seen this night, movie. I, my parents had gone to bed, and yes. I'm flipping through the channels. I'm like one <laughs> inch away from the TV, and I'm flipping the like analog knob that knob that clicks, 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 and I stumbled across this thing, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I wasn't, I didn't know anything about myself at all yet. And then I saw they, there's like a, a sex scene in there and the longing looks. And I was just like, oh my God, I feel terrified now. And I'm, I don't know if it's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, this movie is about um, two. Are the Olympians? They're like training for the Olympics, right? That's what they're training yeah. for. Oh, it's filmed yeah. in Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's filmed in Oregon too. So there is a reference to yeah. um, our in the Eugene, state. We that's were. where they yeah, yeah they trained the track stars for the Olympics mm-hmm. and other things. They were going for gold, but the lesbians is ruining their chance for the Olympics. Wait, that oh, is no. that is, that is real? Oh. It, they really do train the yes, yeah. that's real. The stars and yes. uh, the track stars in in Eugene. In Eugene. Yeah, wow. Yes, where Kai is from. Alberto Salazar. So these two track stars, these two track stars fall in love. So these two track stars, track stars have fallen in love. I think, I don't know that Donna, do you even know the whole plot of the movie or were you just, did you, did your brain just kind of melt when you saw the longing looks? (laughs) Some dude comes in there and fucks it up though. Yeah. Some guy, some guy comes in and be like, you can't be together. You can't be together. You need me. It's 1984. You can't be together. (laughs) It's not this movie. It's the long list of movies where they end up, you're first excited because it's gay and then it ends up terrible and it's sad. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody's gonna die. Somebody's or... probably gonna die, or just be <laughs> depressed, and probably just. Or they're like a crazy 
kill her. Okay. They're gonna kill you. It's true. That was our, that was <laughs> our generation of lesbian of, of gay movies. Kill her. Yeah. <laughs> gonna murder your fucking ass. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Although I recently watched it, and it's Pretty strange. Cool. There's a um. There's like a there's actually like a really interesting scene that I think is maybe about bisexuality that I didn't realize was in there. But in the it's, personal best movie? Yes. Just to oh, say I need to watch it again. Like Jeez. after the two women stop seeing each other and one of them starts seeing this dude, he's actually like progressive and fine with her identity, which I feel like a lot of times in the movies from the era you're talking about, it's like mm-hmm. The then the guy would find out about it and then, you know, kill her or something like yeah. I just mean it's like a it's a it's a weird outlier. There's a weird outlier scene, even though it does end exactly how you're, you're describing. Um, <laughs> I don't remember if she dies in the end, but but it, it there's like a more care than I remembered. But I just wanted to point out that it's like these two people falling in love and these two track stars. And, and that that's kind of what's when you're talking about it scaring you and stuff, it's, it is, it's an unusual movie because like they're both really talented and they're both really into each other. They share a passion. They really fall in love. I think that those things, um, I can imagine you never having seen on TV. Where else would you have seen two women falling? Cause it's also <laughs> not like, it's not like they're not like sick or it's not like a passing, uh, they're not murderers. Like it is a pretty cool depiction. So I'm imagining yeah, you watching that. It wasn't until De- Desert Hearts came out that we finally saw a movie where, like, nobody dies in the end and they fall in love and live happily ever after. Oh, Desert Hearts. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when you saw you Desert know. Hearts for the first time? Was I that was sitting in, I think I was sitting in Sam, you do? <laughs> I remember when I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it in the theater, like, four times. Like, wow. I, I think I went back the same day and saw it. Oh, I was 16. Again, was, this is the big year for me. Uh, and I watched it with my like best friend in high school. And it was so uncozy because it was like, you know, just your best friend. And you're like, oh, God, we're, oh, God, this sex scene. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, this is the longest. Watch it with my, just my friend. Like, it was like, okay. Oh, that is a very weird sex That's scene, too. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Do you know why? It's yeah. unscored. Yes. Yeah. Total silence. The yeah, sex scene silence. is unscored. Oh, yeah. Right. And we it is so. It. You know what? Unscored is a good name for our next song. Yes, next you're. Song. Please just <laughs> put me in the liner notes. Um, but also, why don't we just use that sex scene for our video that we're trying to make? <laughs> well, yeah, oh, just want it score it, score the yeah, sex scene. Great idea. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it is so long and so silent, and all you hear is. <laughs> Oh, it is. <laughs> it's intense. It's intense. Like, I feel bad for anybody friend. who is just like, let's go see this movie, Mom. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about y'all deciding to release a record that has like an inside jokey title or whatever. Um, I mean, I heard somebody gave Mariel Hemingway a t-shirt. Really? Oh, oh my what? gosh. What? <laughs> what? That's, That's rad. <laughs> what was your audience like at the time? Like, was it uh, a queer friends. audience or <laughs> it was your friends? <laughs> the queer? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a mix. Yeah, a lot of queers, and then they, oh, they, oh, they were just all the fans of all the indie, true independent labels. Yeah, yeah. All of these kids that were fans of like literally anything that any of these labels put out, they would go to the shows. Like it was like, um, there was much more. It was uh, way more mixed in terms of. Yeah, because there were tons of just every young. I mean, who knows if they were straight? Who knows how they identified? But just like teenage boys that liked all the yeah. indie bands in the Pacific Northwest at the time. There wasn't and the oversaturation too. that I would say is happening today in music. Like there was much less of this like kind of angsty, uh, you know, or, you know, um, independent. I don't know. I don't well, know. I think you're also talking about uh, the label being a tastemaker, which I think mm-hmm. it exists a little bit less these days. Like the labels mm-hmm. that you're talking about yes. are, would you like to, Talk about Kill Rockstar, which yeah. I also every, have a record on Kill Rockstar. Yeah, I was going to say it. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're label mates. Yeah, we're label mates. Um, yeah, like I think uh, the thing about Kill Rockstars is that it it's it was trying to create, like I said, it was trying to create like a taste. Like, well, if you like if you like these bands, like you'll like all these other bands because this is mm-hmm. our taste. We're like we're not just. Um, trying to make money or making deals based on what is popular right now. We're making deals based on like what we think uh, works together and speaks to like our, what we're into, which is, I I don't know that that exists so much these days. I'm very far out of the music industry, but Mm -hmm. that feels like that's gone. Am I, am I wrong? It's kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. The internet I mean, for sure like has it's changed hard things. to put out. a record out on, I mean, I'm in a band as well. I'm my own band that I play guitar in and sing in and, it's like where how do you get a how do we put a record out you know it's like label it's just really a hard it is different it's changed for sure so i think a lot of people are like all right let's just pay it do it ourselves and the way it's kind of like the old way diy but it's like it's still there's just the community piece of the networking is just it's really hard i mean even though there is the internet it's just different like you said it's just changed it's totally changed right because even that label was a community like how we're talking about all the like punk the band the folks in all the bands knowing each other or the people living in all the houses knowing each other right like the people investing in a certain label you know like there was just a different way that we connected before band like this the label that they're going to put out this record with they're doing something really cool because it's kind of like a co-op they're trying everybody's pooling their resources it's kind of trying to like old they're they're trying to it's called this away records and they're a local like a collective and one of my favorite bands they're called prids they're from portland and they're amazing and they the singer and guitar player mistina and and david are really trying to pull that kind of old they're from the night you know they're they they moved to portland because of team dresh they love us you know they're just like back in the you know early <laughs> 90s so it's like I think there's some piece of that, like you said, Jody. Yeah, but it's still, re- and that's the only way we were able to really do it is to kind of go with that route, you know, find it both financially and just also the connection of use utilizing resources, you know, getting people to help master it or whatever connections that we can find. So yeah, they are there. It's not, there's not like that very often anymore. Right. I mean, you're even speaking to, I mean, there's there's so many different there's so many ways that it's different. One of them also being that different people have equipment now. Like equipment is more accessible, so there's not necessarily the same incentive to, for like one 
person or group of people to be like, we own a label and our thing is we're invested in like mastering records for people. Like that's just like, it's, it's just dispersed in a different way. Um, I want to ask you all some, some like nitty gritty questions about touring, if you don't mind. I just think this is a really interesting, to me, this is really interesting (laughs) to, to think about you all out on the road. Like when, when you are, uh, and not, not so much now, but, um, like that nineties touring, like, well, we were tears. We were first on <laughs> AOL. I think we were like, we, we first got on the internet. Well, Jody had to read email ads. Yeah. Just address. say Donna and Jody first got on the internet. Donna and Jody. I yeah. didn't. Have they had like <laughs> Palm Pilots or something. Back in the day. Before the Palm Pilots. We, we were, we had AOL accounts. <laughs> and so we were able to contact people throughout the country with their AOL account. And sometimes we go into like, what do they call those rooms then? They weren't chat rooms. They weren't chat rooms, but they were like groups. They were like Ronnie and Tamara would remember. We booked our first tour in 1994 on AOL. AOL. So in 1994, (laughs) when we would show up at a show, we may have booked it. The person that booked it for us may have been someone we met online and we would be on stage, even though there may have been seven people in the room, we'd still be, you know, on the microphone saying, Hey, is like Segment 380 here. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Because nobody used their real names then, right? Is that Tamara's name? You were Coke Pepsi. I was Coke Pepsi. Well, then the chainsaw, that came in, yeah, that came out two years later. Yes, but then Donna Donna had a message board on her, on chainsaw.com that- That was huge. That's what I was going to ask. This part of AOL or this part of the internet that you're talking about is like that early internet- um, still uh people going to like a specific gen- de- uh destination to talk about like a shared interest as opposed to like for instance now it's like twitter and then you're like <laughs> you're just saying your opinions but it at the at, you're talking about like booking it on AOL off of like a chat group or something where everybody already Cameron could you book in a common? total tour just saying on twitter like hey where can i play in san antonio definitely yeah 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 exactly but I just mean, I mean, the folks that you were talking to, were they, was it a music specific part of AOL or was this just like random group of people? It was, I mean, it was the chainsaw. You, you had a, didn't you have a, like a no, channel? No, not in AOL. No, it wasn't in AOL. What was it called? I don't know. See, Tamara <laughs> would remember. We have to ask them. Yeah. Okay. Um, just go into any room and just be like, hey, do you guys live in Salt Lake City? <laughs> That's yeah. truly what you're talking about. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. And then uh, you're, what are you traveling in? Are you traveling in vans? Are you traveling in a family car? Wagon. I had, I grew up, I, I lived in a van with my family for a while. And they, when I moved out of my parents' house, they gave it to me. <laughs> and so that's what we took on to her. Family wagon. Family wagon. It's and a camper van. Ford. It's a Ford Econoline. Econoline. <laughs> so 1981. You, uh, Probably 75. <laughs> we called it Vanny. Vanny. Pretty creative. I mean, what's really nuts is that we're all in, just in our early 30s and mid 30s. Right now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're just born. I mean, we're talking like we know about all this stuff. We took this van on tour that, that I had my first period in. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that part is good. That's <laughs> also that you just went on tour in a van and then came back and lived in that van. To me, sounds like. No, uh, no, I lived in it. Before, as a young adult, as a young person, so by the river. But after you went on tour, did you then 
continued to live in there? No, no. We like ripped out everything out. We built a loft in it. Okay. We, got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> we banned, we banned vanned it. Yeah. Ban wait, this is horrible. Remember when <laughs> we got me. that cat on tour in Ohio? Yes. We, we found a kitten with us Dayton. for a while. We, we, we adopted a small orange cat. Not that we're lesbians. We're not lesbians at all. We don't just grab a cat. Well, you know what I always say? If you're living in a van together on tour, why not add the smell of a cat? (laughs) (laughs) Because that will only help. So, are we we going in the right direction that you want want us to? Oh yeah, (laughs) I just want. I was going to say. I was wondering if you heard my pussy because it just cried. Oh my god, your pussy just cried, Mel. (laughs) you grabbed the cat by the was is that what you're saying (laughs) so y'all y'all are driving in this van and uh are you sleep are you staying in that van sleeping in that van Mm -mm. maybe one or two of us yeah not all of us motel rooms hotel rooms Mm, people's floors friends people's floors yeah Yeah, friends floors family sometimes i do remember friends family in ohio why? How did this happen? Uh, all of Bikini Kill oh, yeah, I remember. all of us yeah. slept at my next door neighbor's house and I moved away from Ohio in seventh grade. I, I remember so this. I kept in touch with my neighbors enough that I was like, hey, can we stay oh there God. with our other punk? <laughs> yeah, Seeing we did. We all that. stayed there. Um, anyway, I remember it. Do you, do you all remember when we stayed in the room that had a bunch of Cuckoo clocks? That was, yeah, that was, I remember who that was. <laughs> was that in Europe? <laughs> no, it was here. It was like, it went off at different fucking times all through the night. What? This horrible bird cuckoo <laughs> sounds all through the, every hour, every hour a different clock. Oh I, I also have early in my uh, tour life stayed in uh, fantastic places. One time, yeah. SM dungeon. Everything's covered in sheets. Really? But I went like, I wonder what's under these sheets. Uh-oh. So then I like no. peeked under there. It's like a cross, you know? Uh, that's one story. Uh, let's see. One time I was staying at someone's place and they were like, yeah, we've got a room for you. But um, they were acrobats and they're, <laughs> It was their costume closet, but if you just scooted their costumes to the side, there was a single like cot right behind there. So I just slept <laughs> behind their closet. Yeah. Oh my god, you stayed in the closet. Yeah, I stayed <laughs> in the closet. I've stayed in the closet oh. many times. I don't want you to think that's the only time I've stayed in the closet. I, wa- I was wondering though, Cam, like for a for a stand up, like you might have been traveling alone. It seems scarier to me. Like, were yeah. you in that dungeon by yourself? Yeah, that's such a good question. I was in that dungeon by myself. Uh, look, I don't. We don't know how I turned out alive. Um, it's, <laughs> and it wasn't so much. I mean, I wasn't booking things off of AOL, but like MySpace. You know, I was uh, mm-hmm. very much doing like research. So it wasn't so much like a phone tree or like a network where everybody just knew each other, but I was just like, okay, I'll look up like who are the top comics in Portland or whatever, where what's like the best show to do. And I would like reach out, book a spot at that show. That's like 10 minutes. I'm getting no money. And I would figure out how to, you know, fly myself to one city to get enough money to go to the next city, to go to enough money to go to the next city and stay at some random one time. I'm allergic to cats. And one time I stayed at somebody's house and they were like, don't worry, we only have one cat, but it was, it came out, it then came out of the bedroom that it was in. And it was like a 
800 pound cat. It literally was like <laughs> the biggest cat in the world. And they were like, we don't even have, like, you probably won't be that allergic because we just have the one. And it was a joke size where I was like, oh, just the one giant cat? Like the dinosaur cat? That's the all you have? You don't the have cat more cats than this? cats that used to live here? Yeah. <laughs> so like I went and got a, you know, motel by the airport because that was going to be the most affordable place to stay. Um, but yeah, I had years of doing that. And I think it, I think it was a little scary, but my, the preve- the prevailing feeling I think is like lonely. You know, when I think about y'all out there as a band, that sounds pretty awesome because yeah, you we have, have people three with or four you. Other people to crack jokes about the crossing of the sheet. Yeah. It's come true. along. Just yeah, come on, come on the next lonely. tour. All right, good. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> I mean, I have since toured with people and that does help, but early days it was, and it still is me often by myself out mm-hmm. on the road. Like, you, you're such a weirdo too, you know, like just like wandering around a city for five days by yourself, yeah. you know, I, but I, I feel like, uh, I learned the tricks. One of them is eat at sushi places. Cause you can sit at the, the counter and you don't, oh, you don't look so strange. Yourself. A lot of people are at a sushi place by themselves. Yeah. That's yeah. a smart one. Yeah. Well, you all, uh, I have a couple more questions about tour. Were you selling your own merch? Did you have merch? Got to sell your merch. Were you loading in your own Mm. stuff? We still do. We still do. We always did. Yeah. Always will. Nothing's really that much different. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, a lot of times if you're just going to see a show and you don't know anything about this. Were you also, were you showering at venues? No. No. Just at people's houses if we showered. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. I mean, if you look at our outfits from the 90s, you could probably tell that we didn't brush our hair or shower. <laughs> at least me. <laughs> I like these questions, though. These are getting so yeah, yeah, detailed. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's next? I know. We haven't really done an uh, interview like this before. Well, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, we're talking about this time frame, and this is a huge part of... Like I said, everybody's talking about Riot girl shit right now. It's like very... It's the It has moved into prominence and um in a way that it maybe wasn't before so it's just interesting to to hear yeah. about like Is what like if somebody goes to i just w- i went to the bikini kill concert a couple weeks ago here in los angeles and like the audience of people that were there like if they think that's you know the the show that bikini kill was playing like 20 years ago it's Definitely. not, you know, mm-hmm. so that's, yeah. that's why I'm asking all this stuff. Yeah, I think the difference between our shows in the nineties is a lot of people didn't know who we were. And so right. we have a lot of expressions on their face. Like what am I watching <laughs> right now? And now when we have shows, everybody knows every single word and they yeah. are pumped. They are in a, they're, it's like a family reunion. They all are like, they all sing just along. come. They all sing along like it's a campfire. Sometimes tears, crying. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> there's tears. So much more. I bet you get a lot of tears. I bet you get mm-hmm. a lot of um, like art or ran- like presents. Do you guys get presents? Do you know what I'm talking about? Fans, like yeah, from fans. Uh, yeah. Well, oh. this is a good time to talk about how we would would We'd, wouldn't. Would you like some presents? presents? Yeah. yeah. I feel like it when you're some- an important band to people, or yes. you know, they're like, yeah, okay. Well, what do you want? I'll ask the, we can put it on the podcast. Vegan snacks. Vegan snacks. Sounds perfect. I'm sure there are some people listening to the podcast query who know where to get vegan snacks. I'm certain. Wristbands. That's true. You like, yeah, I like wristbands. bracelets. Yeah, wristbands. You're bringing back the cuffs. Yeah. So is it still exciting to play music? Is it still exciting to be out there on the road? Is it exhausting? How do you feel now? 
We haven't done it exactly yet. It is exciting to play music. And it's exhausting. Yes. Yeah, we're more exhausted now that they're older, but we're Mm -hmm. more excited because we're adults now and we know how to. Well, you appreciate the playing the music part more. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't like carrying the heavy things anymore. Or playing it or staying it lit up late. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, the grandpa here wants to play at five o'clock. And I go could to bed. not agree with you more. I'm, I could, I am so fully on your side on this. It's very nice to hear this from like, from like this band specifically. You know what I mean? Eight PM is good. Kaya and I actually almost got into a fight the other day because Kaya wants to play like a secret show in Portland before our first show, so that we can actually practice on stage. <laughs> And I was like, but we have to carry our stuff over there. Can't we just <laughs> pretend we're playing? And and then I was like, well, let's do it at eight if we have to do it. And Kaya was like, how about just nine? And I was like, 8.30? I mean, I was really holding on. Like, we're going to, it's not going to be after 8.45. Yeah, it, it might be at 8.45, though. I really, yeah. I really feel you. It's extremely difficult to do this job that I used to, the hours, you know, were part of why I got into this because I'm like, now I I live <laughs> I live a wild life. I'm out every night. Like that's what I like. No, that there is a time limit on that being appealing, <laughs> and it yeah. has yeah. already so, passed. So, so, so I am. You need to be home watching Personal Best. <laughs> yes, by seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk of your SM cross. Yeah, exactly. That by the way, if I didn't make that clear, that was my own basement I was staying in. <laughs> yes. I didn't know if I had made that clear. Well, I feel like first of all, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate all of your patience because I know there's a lot of different people involved here, so difficult to split time. Believe it or not, we have like 5 minutes left right now, and I get hon- less of it in more. Oh my goodness. And I honestly think that uh if everybody wanted to shout out their queero this might be oh, the God. time to oh, do I it think. i think i have to say that my queero queeros are probably you all oh no i was i mean oh, that's... i'm not being i'm not sucking up i'm just saying <laughs> like you have to suck up to us <laughs> right? yeah, like, i'm not sucking up for you i'm just saying because at that time i was i felt like i was kind of the only one yeah you know i mean and then when we met jody that when you reminded me recently working on the thing that we worked on recently, I was like, oh, yes, the conversation 7-Eleven. So I'm just going to say it was like a big deal to meet these folks that, you know, these other, you know, butch dykes that were just like, we are, a, we are amazing musicians. We want to do this and we're going to go out. And so it was, I would, I, it, it changed me. It totally changed mm. me. And then, you know, fast forward to now, but anyway. That's that's nice. sale. It's also and incredible I'm that you all now. still like each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love each other. It's family. My, yeah. I mean, we are family. I'm, yeah. Forever Chosen family is the best family. That's right. Yeah. Amen, Mel. Yeah. Who else wants um, to go? My Shout queer, out. I mean, would be like, who's actually queer would be Donna. I am actually queer. Right. But the other one would be a li- <laughs> Yeah, no, oh I mean, pretty sure about that. Um, but the other person I was thinking that just popped into my brain is just Olivia Newton John from Greece. Whoa. And that, because that was my first crush when I saw her. So, in this weird way, and I feel like there was this weird feeling of queerness around that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's John Travolta and Olivia Newton John, and that maybe. She was maybe. my first crush. Too. Donna oh, called so her. in a Donna weird way. Donna called her. You I mean, called, we all love we, I called Olivia Newton John when I was a child. Wait, what do you I mean? You called. 
It was written on the wall in a punk house. Wait, what? How did you get her number? In the olden days, on the bottom of the record, they would always be like, this record was produced by, or was released on Arista Records, blah, 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 Australia phone number. (laughs) And so me and my, whoever my friend was at the time, were just like, let's call this number. So we called the number and, and we had some lady answered and we're like, are we still records? I'm like, is Olivia there? <laughs> <laughs> and and she's like, Oh, I'm sorry, she's in the recording studio right now and she can't come to the really? phone. And I was like, Thank you. Did you say really? Because we would like to make sweet love with her. <laughs> well, I was like probably like eight or yeah, six no, or something. I don't this know. Is, <laughs> And then my parents and the we called it on my friend's phone and they got the phone bill and I was in trouble for like oh. months after that because the phone, phone bills, the phone Long call distance. to Australia was really expensive. <laughs> Anyways, well, um, she's not my queer though. I don't mean to like blow your mind, but can I tell you that you know the end of Greece where they uh, are the one that they want and everything, mm-hmm. and then um, they take off in the car. That school where that is filmed at is Rydell High in my neighborhood. What? I know where you live. Oh, great. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't worry. I'm moving really soon. So (laughs) honestly, it's true. Um, But yes, friends, who else? Who else would like to shout out a queer? That wasn't my queer, though. That was just. I know. You still have the floor. You have the floor. Shout it out. No, no. GB Jones. That's all. She had a GB Jones is a. A member of the band Fifth Column and also put out a fanzine called JD's. Uh, it was a queer punk fanzine in the 80s and I discovered them and we became great pen pals and I feel like she helped form me to who I am now. That's you can awesome. put a Fifth Column song on at the end. <laughs> editing. Always editing. For me, <laughs> this is Mel. Um, B-52's 100%. Uh, second album, Wild Planet. I, my dad's gay and I always would call myself a second generation fag <laughs> and he turned me on to that band and it's, I remember roller skating to them sixth grade. <laughs> wow. Oh God, I can't, you were, I'm sure so hot oh sixth grade roller skate. I'm not kidding though. Like you were probably so suave, right? You were like all confident. Oh, I Listen, feel that. I was yeah. just all on the tennis courts, roller skating. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a song about it, but Frank is Frank the the Jewish All American folk singer is definitely one of my biggest queeros. I love her music, and when we played with her at the Women's Building in San Francisco, and I just saw her on stage, and just seeing someone that was a little bit older than me, but she's not that much older than me. But at the time, it felt like because it might have been a decade or around there, you know. I felt like I just had tears streaming down my face. I just felt like I'd never seen someone older than me that was what I might look like. I didn't know that until I had that until that moment. But that's what happened in that moment. Yeah, I I mean, I can relate to that so much. And I'm sure that, you know, just by the nature of y'all spending so much of your lives on stage that you have been that those people for many people where they're, you know, like. Oh, that's what I could, I could turn out like, I could turn out like this. I could be a drummer, you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it does really matter. We've, we've talked about us being fans of one another too, you know, and I am a total fan of them and they inspire me all the time too. So just like Marcelo said, it's like, you know, we're all 
fans of one another, you know, and because they exist, I do too. So I'm very thankful for that. Love you, Mel. Wow. Well, that was the perfect way to end the show. (laughs) So congratulations, because you did it. Um, No soundbite York. Yes, exactly. I'm going to definitely come out and see y'all when you're when you're passing through town, but oh, great! Yeah, have a great have a great tour, and and congrats on all your success and longevity. And it's it was so nice to talk to you. Really, it was so thank nice you. To talk to you. Yeah, you it was too. great talking to you too. Yeah. Thank you. It was yeah. nice to meet you. Yeah, thank y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye.